My name is Nick Long. I have been uh, around faith actually as a college student first in 2003, I believe, and then my wife and I have attended and been members since 2009 and beyond till now. We've served um, in various ways, uh, lots of different life groups through Rooted, um, in outreach, on the outreach team and on the elder board. Uh, this morning I will read First uh, John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in, in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does, not confess, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is God's word. Well, good morning. The passage that Nick just read is very relevant for us here today in the 21st century in America. About had a bad accident right there. Uh, it's about, it is as uh, relevant today as it was in the first century. And so you and I need to understand and receive and really digest what John is saying here if we want to walk with Christ for a lifetime and not just for a season. And it's good to walk with Christ for a season, but in scripture, it's those who persevere to the end who actually experience eternal life. And so really cannot overstate the importance of what we're talking about here today. John's readers knew people who had moved away from the apostles' teaching, had moved away from the gospel that was taught beginning at the resurrection of Jesus. And they were now trying to persuade others, believers, to do the same. And as we discussed a, a few weeks ago when we looked at 1 John 2, the exact same thing is happening in our day. It's not uncommon to find people who were formerly part of the believing community, formerly part of the body of Christ, would profess faith in Christ as believers, and yet now have left, not just left a church, but left the faith, and would love to enlighten us and explain to us how our understanding of the gospel is faulty. And when that happens, uh, it can be very unsettling in our faith. If you know someone for whom that's happened, it can, can even shake your faith. And it's, it's possible you would find yourself thinking, you know, I wonder if the reason I call myself a Christian is mainly because I was raised in a believing family and I am part of, I was raised in a culture where Christians were very much accepted and, uh, and common. But I wonder if I were raised in another family 
in another culture, if I would just look at Christianity as one more philosophy, just one more option that's really no better than all the rest. The good news I have for you today is that today's passage actually anticipates our current modern day realities. Uh, There are many, many things that can lure us away from devotion to Christ, money, sex, and power kind of at the top of the list. But what John has in mind in 1 John 4, 1 through 6, is uh, he's concerned with seductive teachings about Christ, about the person and work of Christ. And so John tells us that if we want to be faithful to Christ for a lifetime, we need two things. First of all, we need discernment. We find that in verses 1 through 3, and we need confidence in verses 4 through 6, discernment and confidence. And so we're going to look at each of those, each of those separately. First of all, discernment. In these verses, John urges us as his readers uh, to not be gullible, to not just believe every teaching that we happen to hear, but to be very discerning and evaluate the, the teachings that we hear, what people teach. So in verse 1, John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. How does that sound to you? Test the spirits. Like, how do you do that? By definition, a spirit is a being without a body. And so how do you believe a spirit or how do you test a spirit? Well, John makes it very clear. He's talking about evaluating the teachings of various teachers or prophets to discern the spirit behind their teaching. And he gives a very simple doctrinal test by which you can tell whether or not someone's teaching comes from God through the Holy Spirit or whether it's from the world through another spirit. Notice at the end of verse 1, John says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. They've gone out. Where have they gone out from? Well, he's talking about the same people that he mentioned in in chapter 2. He said that there are those who have gone out from the church, from the believing community, and that proves because they've gone out from us, it proves that they never really were of us. So again, he's not talking about people who have left a church. He's talking about people who have left the faith. They no longer believe uh, what, what the apostles taught about Jesus Christ, and he's trying to persuade others, lure others to do the same. And here John calls them false prophets because presumably, like prophets, they claim to speak from God, right? But he calls them false prophets because they were saying things about Jesus that were untrue. In chapter 2, he calls them, he actually calls them liars. And in that context, John writes, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. John Stott put it well when he said, behind every prophet is a spirit, and behind each spirit is either God or the devil. So behind every prophet is a spirit, and behind each spirit, two options, God or the devil. In verse two, verses 2 and 3, John gives us a very simple doctrinal test to tell whether or not the Spirit of God is animating and leading someone who is teaching. He says, pay pay very close attention specifically to what they are teaching about Jesus Christ. This is the thing. Always pay attention. What does a teacher actually believe about Jesus Christ? He says, by this you know the Spirit of God, verse 2. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. To confess that, that Jesus Christ has come into the, in the flesh, is, it's more than just believing, yeah, I believe he was actually a man. It's really shorthand for the Gospels, for the Gospel as the apostles taught it. So to believe that Jesus has come in the flesh is to believe that he is the unique Son of God, and so he's fully God, who has now become one of us. He's fully man, fully human, so that he might be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So if someone believes that Jesus has come in the flesh, uh, that person believes that Jesus is God's solution. He is the remedy for sin in the world. And so would would uh, believe that, that uh, Jesus coming in the flesh is God's eternal plan for restoring humanity and ultimately restoring all of creation back to God. And so believing that Jesus came into the flesh is more than just an asterisk, you know, in the history book, by the way, there's a guy named Jesus. No, believing that Jesus came in the flesh is the defining event in all of human history. God became one of us to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, if someone legitimately confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, John says you can be sure that they are from God and that they have been led by God. By contrast, we see in verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. He says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. John is advancing a point that he made in chapter 2, uh, namely that those who went out from the believing community, uh, they were, there is the Antichrist, but they are Antichrists, plural, because they are anti, they are against Christ. They probably used the, the name of Christ, they talked about Christ, but what they were teaching was anti-Christ. It was against Christ. And so here in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 3, John's point is that these false prophets were being led by the spirit of the Antichrist, not the spirit of God. And as he did in chapter 2, John reminds them that this is no surprise. It shouldn't come as a surprise anyway. He says, uh, you have heard this. You've heard that he was coming. Well, he is now in the world already through these false prophets. Of course, John had been present when Jesus had told him about false prophets and false Christs. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so that's John's concern too. Genuine believers being led astray by people who are teaching uh, false, false things about Christ. Then in verse 25, he says, see, I have told you beforehand. So the reason that John could warn his readers is because Jesus had warned him beforehand. And so um, that's the flow. You know, I was studying the, this this week, and uh, the thought came to me, I'm like, why is John so intense about this? I mean, why is he so fired up about this? Why is he so passionate? And I think there's at least a couple of reasons why it was the case. I think number one, it was because people were lying about his best friend, Jesus. I don't know if you heard anybody lie about your best friend. You would be fired up if you heard things that were not true. People were saying things that were untrue about Jesus. And so it mattered to John 
And plus, the other reason I think, what you actually believe about Jesus has eternal consequences. I mean, it, it actually matters. What you believe about me is a very little consequence. What you believe about Jesus has eternal consequences. And so think about it. Back in chapter 1, John had said, Jesus, this eternal life we're talking about, we have seen him with our own eyes. We have heard him with our own ears. Our hands have actually touched him. They had this tactile experience with Jesus. And so when people were saying, he hasn't really come in the flesh. He's not God in, 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 uh, as a human. Man, he's like, no, we've experienced him. And John had experienced things with Jesus that almost nobody else had. John was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, that's pretty rare company. He was there with Jesus, Elijah, Moses, John, uh, Peter, and uh, James, right? He was there. John was at the crucifixion. Jesus on the cross gave him the assignment, John, behold your mother. He said, John, I want you to take my mother into your household and care for her. And so when people were out there saying, you know, Jesus, he's not really the son of God come in the flesh to, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I mean, John was just, he's just like, they're lying about my best friend who alone can offer eternal life, okay? And so it makes sense why John would, uh, would say that these are false prophets who are being empowered by the spirit of the Antichrist. Be discerning. Test the spirits. Evaluate what everybody says, especially evaluate what they believe about Jesus. Now, significantly, at this point, John does not say, therefore, you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. You should live your life in fear because losing your faith is a lot like just falling off a log. I mean, it could happen at any time. No, he doesn't say that. That's not true. That's not the case. Uh, he actually says, what he's going to say is, no, actually, you should be very confident because this is no surprise to God. As a matter of fact, God has already made provision. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made provision for this, this falling away, uh, these antichrists, these people who are against Christ. This is nothing new. And so in verses 4 through 6, he talks about our confidence. And he explains how our confidence is, is in God who indwells us and leads us through this life. Notice how directly John addresses them and us as believers. He says, little children. So again, he says, I'm speaking as your, I'm speaking as your spiritual father. Little children. You are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so John says, the reason you've overcome these false prophets and their teaching is because of the one who is within you. And he's talking there about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's about the Holy Spirit, okay? Not just the Holy Spirit, the one that was hovering over the surface of the deep at creation, the one who empowered the prophets, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one who came at Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit is in you, and he is greater any category you want, he is greater than he who is in the world. Ultimately, the spirit of the Antichrist and the devil. And so the spirit of God is greater in every category. And the devil in, the, in Scripture, he's a, a powerful, intelligent, spiritual being. So it's not that he's nothing. But when it comes to the devil versus, versus the Holy Spirit, it's not, even a, it's not even a fight, okay? The spirit of God is greater 
He's more intelligent. He's more powerful. He's more fierce. He's more everything good than the devil. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you really have nothing to fear. You will overcome the, the, uh, the Antichrist. And so his presence is why we have overcome false prophets and their teachings. The Spirit of God has won the battle in our hearts. The Spirit of God reassures us that the gospel is true and that we would be foolish to abandon Jesus Christ for some other, some other Christ, some other good news. In biblical thought, you have only two options. Either you are from the world or you are from God. In Scripture, there aren't three, four, or five options. You're either from God or from the world. And that simple understanding helps us explain many, many things in Scripture and in this life. And in verses 5 and 6, John says that understanding explains why some people listen to false prophets, meaning they receive their, their message and agree with it, and other people listen to him, John, and the other apostles. He says it this way, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. And so those that had left the believing community, they weren't true prophets from God, they were actually from the world. And the things that they taught, they came from the world, that's why people in the world, and that's, that's, that would refer to people who do not bow the knee to, to Jesus Christ, whose hearts are not aligned with God and his, his ways. That's why the world listens to them in the sense of hearing and receiving their message because these false prophets are speaking their native tongue and it just makes sense. It resonates in their heart. Finally, somebody who understands me. Finally, somebody who's telling me the things that I've known to be true all along. John says, that's why some people believe false prophets. By contrast, he wrote in verse 6, we are from God, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And so he points out there, we, meaning John, other apostles, and, and ultimately all believers are from God. Therefore, whoever knows God listens to us, not to the false prophets. And so John would say, because we're speaking the words of Jesus and we are, are speaking the truth about Jesus, <clears throat> people who have the spirit of Jesus within them, their hearts resonate with what we say, and they say, yes, this is what I know in my deepest being to be true about Jesus Christ. And those are the ones who receive this teaching about Jesus and go deeper in their faith and persevere. This is one of Jesus' main points in, in, uh, in John 10 when he described his ministry as the good shepherd. He said, my sheep, what? My sheep hear my voice. I call them by name. They simply will not follow another. Those who are not from God but from the world, John says, they do not listen to John. And so the point here is don't let it shake your confidence when there are people all around you who reject Jesus Christ, who might say, yeah, I used to believe that or I used to be into that, but now my eyes are open and I believe that that's just a narrow way to live your life, okay? Don't be shaken by that. Christians have been in the minority in every generation. Uh, Jesus said as much, John said as much. It has always been the case. 
And so we don't need to change the gospel to make it appealing to the world. No, the message from God is the message that brings life. We don't need to change anything the Bible teaches to make it more acceptable. God doesn't need a PR firm. God doesn't need us to kind of massage things to make it sound better. No, we just need to believe it so deeply, and we need to experience it so humbly. We need to have this powerful experience of God. We're not, we don't not only need a high view of Scripture, we need a deep experience with Scripture where we embody the truth of what Scripture teaches. And that's part of our testimony, what we say and how we live our lives. And John concludes by restating the reason for writing this whole paragraph. He says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So you want to know what's true, want to know what's of error. First of all, evaluate somebody's doctrine, specifically what they believe about Jesus Christ. And then notice, do they receive what the scriptures teach? The scriptures embody the teachings of the apostle or not. And so those that believe that Jesus came in the flesh, those that listen to the scripture have the spirit of truth. Those who deny Christ and disregard the scriptures are from the world and have the spirit of error. And so let that be your confidence. Let that be your confidence. As I mentioned earlier, this encouragement to test the spirits is as relevant today as it was in John's, John's day. So let me just give you a couple of applications uh, for our own discernment and our own confidence. Uh, the first thing I would say is know the Christology of those who might influence you spiritually. And Christology just means what does somebody believe about the person and work of Jesus? And that's, that's just an essential thing. If somebody's wanting to, to influence you spiritually, understand specifically what does this person actually believe about Jesus Christ? Uh, don't be naive and think that everybody who talks about Jesus believes that he is the unique son of God who died as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, if they don't believe that, again, John says, this may sound awfully narrow-minded to you, but if they don't believe that, John says, they are not from God, they are, not from, the wor- they are from the world, don't believe them, don't follow their teaching. Now, I mean, we can nuance this all day. It may be that, that they're right about some things. They may be very insightful about various aspects of faith and about, about life, uh, maybe about social issues. But if you become loyal to a teacher, you become loyal to someone, and then you find out, ah, they don't actually believe that Jesus is the unique son of God who became one of us to die for our sins, now you're kind of at a crossroads. If your heart is already loyal to that person, you might, be, you might find that your heart is being lured away from what Paul called a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, 2 Corinthians 11.3. And so John says, test the spirits to see if a teacher is from God or from the world. And please understand, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we become combative and that we kind of do battle on every little detail of, of doctrine. And I'm certainly not talking about putting people in their place or winning arguments. I mean, those things are so petty and so trivial compared to John's concern. 
John is concerned that we walk with Christ for a lifetime. John is concerned that we persevere to the end. And so he, he didn't want his, his spiritual children to be deceived and to quit walking with Christ at uh, great, great disaster to their lives. And so we have to be discerning about who might influence us. Do these people confess the truth about Christ or are they lying about him? It's no small issue. That is the defining issue for whether or not someone is from God. Second, I would say prioritize learning from God through the scriptures instead of just learning from what other people say about God and what other people say about the scriptures. We have to make a priority to go directly to the scriptures and learn from the scriptures ourselves. And so teachers are important in the body of Christ, but uh, teachers, myself included, are no substitute for learning directly from the scriptures themselves. And there aren't really, really any hard and fast rules about this, but if somebody asked me, I, I would tell them, you should spend at least as much time in the Bible as you spend listening to other people talk about the Bible, podcasts, books, blogs, whatever. And it's, it's kind of a, it kind of cuts both ways. It's a blessing and a curse. I mean, we have all these resources. I mean, most, Christ, most Christians who've ever lived have not had their own copy of the Bible. I probably have 45 Bibles, honestly, you know. So we have access to the Scripture. We've got hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands of blogs and books, and we've got all these resources. And so it can be a blessing. But we have to go back to the Scripture if we want to be able to test the spirits. When I was in seminary, Dr. Walter Kaiser was one of my Old Testament, uh, my Old Testament profs. And he told a room full of us, we were master's students, he told us, he said, my father didn't graduate from high school, and he has a better theology than most of you will have when you graduate from this institution. Why? He says, because my father, for the last 60 years, has read the Bible from cover to cover once a year, okay? And so, Trying to sneak somebody by, by a guy like that, it's like trying to sneak the sun past a rooster. You know, you just, you just can't do it. You just say, okay, I understand. You, you're not going to be deceived by all sorts of things that aren't quite right. And so I'm not suggesting you have to read the Bible through once a year. I don't do that. I do that some years. But the point is, if we marinate our minds in God's truth, I mean, we'll spot error. Again, not so we can be heresy hunters, but so that we're not deceived, so that we can walk with Christ for a lifetime. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us this, this will. We ask that you would give us everything we need. Give us discernment. Give us confidence. Thank you that you anticipated everything we've been talking about here this morning. We thank you that you you have given us your very spirit. God, none of us would believe if you had not opened our eyes. So we pray, God, that we might continue to walk in the light. We might continue to seek you through the, the scriptures. Pray that we would not be deceived by anything or anyone. God, I pray for the person here today who might be in a tough place, who might be wrestling with doubts, who might really be in the throes of of doubt and possibly unbelief. God, pray that you would, would rescue that person, that you would give them uh, a clarity, bring people around each of us to encourage us in these things. 
God, it's our desire to walk with you throughout this life and into eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.